0: Here's for the first Monday in sober October. Jesus. Oh. Deep into the motherfucking murky waters. Greetings from Podcastville. The church of what's happening now is brought to you by My Bookie. Listen, I go to My Bookie for one reason it's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. If you're trying to bet on the NFL, baseball, MMA, which you missed out on last uh, Monday, Saturday, whatever the fuck, my bookie's got it. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the fucking best in the business. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie, whether it's college, pro, Chinese, I don't give a fuck. Now listen, right here, today, right now, you're going to get this nice and early. It's Monday Night Football tonight. You could double your deposit today, right now. Use promo code CHURCH, C-H-U-R-C-H, to get 100% bonus on your initial deposit of up to $1,000 fucking dollars, okay? They'll give you, they'll match what you deposit. Visit mybooking.ag today, right now. You're at work. Who gives a fuck? M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use promo code CHURCH when you're creating your account to claim your bonus. You play, you win, you get motherfucking paid. The church is also brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Listen, Cafe Alturas, the CEO, Dylan Moskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But he was having trouble finding qualified candidates. You know what he did? He went to Zip Recruiter, all right? ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. With results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Where are you going to get that action at? Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. Listen, small business, big business, ZipRecruiter is, eff- is effective for businesses of all size. Go to ZipRecruiter right now. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash church. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash church. C-H-U-R-C-H. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way the higher. Kick this motherfucker mule, league. It's Monday, the 7th of October. Hey,
1: baby, hey, baby. Hey, baby, get the bumps over this motherfucker. <laughs>
0: What are you fucking nuts or what? Monday morning, you got excuses? Save for the fucking preach before he fucks in the ass. <laughs> with so much. See, it's kinda hard being snooky but Uncle Joey hey. keep coming up with pokey shit like every single day. King thing. Louis the Third is the guest tonight. I what <laughs> <for> the, <G's laughs> the fucking guest is. Make cock-y a P and the two in the morning and the party still
2: jumping. Cause my mama ain't home. I got bitches in the living room getting it on, and they ain't leaving till six, in the, six in the morning. So what you want to do? Boy. Shit, I got a pocket full of rubbers and my. Home boys do too. So turn off the lights and close the door. What? But, for what? We don't let him hold yeah. So we gon' smoke the house Jeans up, hose down. Why you motherfuckers bounce today?
0: It's a beautiful motherfucking day to be alive. Monday the 7th of October. The month is fucking move. Is the seventh? No. Yeah. Is it the, 7th? No. Yeah. Is it the uh, fucking seventh? Yeah, absolutely. Holy shit. It's the 7th of October, I means this weekend I'm in Kansas City. Uh-oh. <clears throat> and then Denver on motherfucking Saturday night. That's how easy. We had a great week last week. The kickoff for Sobuck so a little drama there. <laughs> but it's got nothing to do with us. You understand me? Uh, you know, when things like this happen, people, whatever, what you guys got to understand, the basic thing you guys got to understand is that we all love each other very much. So nobody did anything uh, intentional or whatever, whatever. Anything is feeling, everybody's upset right now. Hopefully, uh, in time, we'll get over this and realize we're just fucking crazy comedian friends, you know? That's what we have. A couple weeks ago, when Andrew Schultz was on, he mentioned a couple things that didn't bother me that just really made me want to think and talk to you guys about it because it's real fucking important that you get what the basis of all this that we're doing here is you know whether it's podcasting whether it's stand-up comedy whether you're Jenica jones and you're drawing pictures whether you're fucking uh you know bob lingus and, and you work in an office you know we each have different things and we ended up and we chose our lives and, and here we are but the weirdest thing that like if i could go back in time there's one thing i'd do I'd beat the fuck out of my guidance counselor. Remember your guidance counselor? (laughs) He gave you all the wrong information there was. I don't even know why they paid those motherfuckers. If there's still guidance counseling schools, you got to be like certified by me. Like you, you, You can't go telling people bad information. And the information he instilled in me, which is very easy to get sucked in by, is money. Anytime... You would choose a career when you were young. People would say, well, it doesn't make any money. You're not, what are you going to do? You're going to be a cop at 35000 a year and get shot out by people and pay that for lunch? You know, we, we're such a society that's money-driven. When we're 16 to the age of 18, we can't wait to have fucking $3 so we could be that person with the yacht and the girls and the fucking bar and the fucking people hanging around you and the cars and the limos that's what you really think that's your basic belief like I can't wait my life will be so much simpler when I get to that point we always think of that point but we never think about how we're gonna get there especially from the ages of like 18 to 26 you think you're just gonna bump into it on the street like it's just gonna somebody's gonna see you we all have different fantasies you know like For me, it was like uh, starting like a drug network and making six million every six weeks. Like I couldn't even fucking control myself. How can you make six million fucking dollars? I couldn't even do little things. How can you make six million fucking dollars? You know. But I still remember being twenty four years old, and one day I saw a picture of a Ferroza test. What is it? Ferrari. Ferrari Testarossa. Whatever the fuck those cars are. And I remember hanging, hanging on my wall. And I, had, I lived with uh, a girl and th- three other guys at the time. Two other guys. It was a four we were, It was four of us. And one of the guys came in my room. We were talking about something. He saw the picture on my wall. And he goes, is that your favorite car? And I told him, no. I gave him some bullshit spiel. You know, when you're 27, 23, whatever the fuck I was. I gave him some bullshit spiel. That was going to be my fucking car. In Three years, you know, and I remember him looking at me like and like he was like maybe two years older than me But he was going he had gotten his college degree. He was a very smart white guy Very open, you know, he drank he smoked dope But he was not a pinch in his life Like I was watching here. I was with no college education making decent money at the time working in a car dealership and here he was like you know he had this tremendous fucking degree but he couldn't get a job he was he would be up early in the morning and he was trying to I'll never forget this it's it's really weird he was trying to he would go to a thing called Toastmasters
2: yeah they still have it
0: so he would wake up like at 7 in the morning and go to Toastmasters to overcome his fear of speaking in public and I remember that I'd be getting up and I'd be eating breakfast and he'd just be getting back from the fucking meeting. And he, I'd ask him, where the hell have you been? And he was like, I was at Toastmasters. And I go, what's Toastmasters? And he goes, it's like a group of men or women or whatever the fuck that get together and we talk. And And I go, so you go to a place to practice public speaking? I didn't know that people had fear of public speaking or whatever the fuck it was. I was used to public speaking every fucking day of my life at the at the deli or at the bar or on the corner or on the basketball court. At one point of the day, you know, where I was from, you had to fucking take control and talk some shit. If not, they th- they think you're fucking retarded. So I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah, you had to say something in my neighbor If not, they thought you were fucking retarded. Like, you're a fucking retard. You don't say nothing. So... Uh, you had a you know, to me when he said Toastmasters, I was like, What the fuck are you talking about? Now let me go down, I'll straighten those motherfuckers right up. Oh, I'll, I'll give them a speech of a lifetime. And Comedy was not even on my fucking radar then. But here I went from being this fucking pathetic loser to just being a regular loser. <laughs> and I'm selling cars and I'm snorting coke and I'm I had a semi regular life at the time but i really wasn't going anywhere and i kept thinking yeah if i do this and if i do that because i wasn't like i was just like you guys the work that was going to be involved to put in to become a millionaire or a multimillionaire whatever the fuck i was thinking i was going to be one of those guys with a yacht uh, the work was just too much like i if they thought i was going to do if if i really thought i was going to do it by working like that wasn't going to happen like I was making anywhere from seven to 10 grand a month selling cars in 87, that's that a was a lot of, of money. money that's a lot of fucking money. And I remember that I, I used to be furious about the taxes.
2: Oh yeah, that's a, that's a big killer. I was furious
0: <laughs> about the taxes. And, and that was a job where they gave you a lot of cash, bonuses, and that makes it worse. When somebody gives you cash, like eight, $900 a month in cash and bonuses, oh. I would fucking cry like a motherfucker. Kicks
2: you into a, in a new tax bracket, you make less money? Yes. Like, so,
0: so I did not understand the whole thing of money. But like I'm telling you guys, I was very confused thinking that I was just going to bump into it. And a lot of us do. We think, well, we're going to bump into it, and then our lives are going to be fucking so completely different. I can't tell you how many times I was laying brick. I can't tell you how many times I was waiting for a fucking bus or waiting for a subway in New York City going to a fucking bartending job to make twelve fifty an hour plus tips. I can't tell you how many fucking times I was like, you know, carrying fucking 4x12. This is, the dog, remember 4x8 pl- uh, sheetrock? I remember years ago when I had to carry... 4x12 sheetrock up four flights of stairs in fucking Hoboken, New Jersey when they were redoing Hoboken in the early 80s. Like, I did it all. But what always made me think that this was coming to an end was that I was going to become rich, and then everything was going to fucking be hunky-dory. Like, I thought that when you saw somebody that had money, right away it associated fucking this big uh, this big bulge of happiness like in my mind if I had money I wouldn't do blow anymore I would be out in there every night I could eat out every day how I wanted to live my life I didn't have no idea I had no balance no nothing I got locked up when I got locked up it gave me a chance to clean up from the coke and I saw people that didn't have money behind bars trying to act like they had money. And that's when it finally started hitting me. Like that money fucks with people. Like I never knew until the age of when it was too late, 25, like when I first saw it, how, you know, listen, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Felicity Huffman got, I don't know, three days in jail. I don't know what she got. like sentence. a month or something. Like a month in jail. And somebody posted a, a picture of a black woman next to her that said she got five years yeah. for giving uh, a fake address. Okay. You know, the way the law works, especially today, you know, I, I was involved in all that shit 30 years ago. So I don't know what's going on today. But I could tell you it didn't get any better. And it was all about money. You know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein. Listen, you get in trouble, the more money you have, the more you could elude a lot of this shit that people with a public defender don't have. There's people sitting in a fucking jail right now in America, across our country, that have a sentence that if they would have had $7,000, the sentence would have been half. Because somebody would have spoken for them, somebody would have fought for them, when I'm a public defender, if you know anything about fucking attorneys, a public defender just doesn't have one client. He has 80 clients. And he's a new attorney, and he's trying to make his bones in the world to branch out into his own fucking office or partnership or whatever. So he becomes friendly with the DAs and da 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 in the county or the state where he practices. And it's just like an agreement, like... I heard years ago, years ago, way before the computer, I heard a cassette playing of uh, somebody taping a judge's chamber in, okay. New, in New York City. I, I had nothing to do with crime then. Like I was a criminal, but I was not in the system then. But I heard a tape recording once, maybe on WPIX, about them negotiating... Uh, a guy's deal, you know. So when the public defender goes in to see Lee, he just doesn't have Joey Diaz on his docket. He's got nine guys that he's going to see Lee about. So he walks in there and it's pretty soon like, hey, what are we gonna do about Diaz? Uh kidnapping too. Uh, give him a mandate of whatever, four to six years, put a cap on it. And they just run through him the way you and I run through a laundry list.
2: Yeah, it's like any other job. It's
0: like any other job that please. You know what I'm saying? And then if you go to trial, this guy has got 80 fucking clients. How prepared is he going to be for that trial? So, you know, when you watch the OJ trial, you watch any big trial, they got four or five fucking attorneys on on retainer there. But that's not the case or whatever. I learned what money did for you inside. And listen, when I got arrested, I had no money. You want me to tell you I had money in the bank? and piles of money laying around the house, I had fucking zero. Jesus. I had zero. I had maybe. I had been working. I was 25 years old, and I had maybe $32 in
2: the bank. And you're making like what? 80 grand a year? Something like that? Wow.
0: 80 grand a year with zero in the fucking... Listen, I always made money. I always made money. Just waking up. I'm one of those people that Lee, Let's get an apartment. What's the rent? Fifteen. We split seven fifty apiece. What's the cable? One hundred and fifty plus the TV. I'll just make a figure up, and I know if I keep the figure under three thousand, I don't need a job. Three thousand? I can I can make three thousand dollars when I was a kid. I could make three thousand dollars walking around in a month.
2: All right. Well, how much of that was legal?
0: Maybe half of it. Okay. I'm a ty- you know, I was the type of guy, Lee had a moving job for three days at 200 a day. Boom, that's 600 Yeah. This guy's got an ounce of Coke to sell. Boom, that's 400 This guy needs two shifts, somebody to carry meat for two nights. This guy needs two nights of loading trucks. This guy needs a pound of weed carried from Jersey to New York, and he don't have the balls to do it. He'll give you 500 cash. I could walk around and make 3000 a month. I did it all my life. Jesus, okay. I did it. I did it just breathing, just breathing. You think of the money I spent on blow. <laughs> just the last seven years, from two thousand to two thousand seven, I was getting a uh, hundred and twenty-five dollars a set. Then, what, 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 what money was I making? I was still making fifteen at the comedy store. If I did the improv or anything else, they'd give me anywhere from a buck twenty-five to one seventy-five. I was still putting 2000 a month in my nose.
2: Jesus. My
0: monthly coke bill and ca- and drug bill, weed, had to be, you figure, 60 a night times four, that's 240. Times so a thousand a month? Four, that's a thousand a month. That's just if I did a gram a night, four nights. Most oh. nights i pop two grams. Jesus. Some weeks I snorted five nights instead of four nights. But I always averaged four nights plus the two eighty dollars bags of weed I bought a fucking week. So so
2: I think we're skipping a, a little bit. Because you said you, when you were younger, money was really important. That sounds like at this point, money you didn't even care about.
0: No, but that's not the point I'm okay, getting to. Okay, I'm sorry. When I was just trying to make a point. The when you I can was, make money. When I was your age. I can make five just waking up. Got it. Okay. Eating breakfast out, no groceries at the house. Eating three meals out. I I didn't drink. Right. You follow me? So I went without. In most areas, where people go with, and that's how they blow their money. I didn't buy underwear. I just wore jeans with no underwear. (laughs) It was straight cock. I bought socks. I bought jeans. You know, I took care of all that stuff.
2: I I didn't didn't go on
0: vacations. I didn't go to concerts. I didn't do any of that money. My money was for house bills, eating, and snorting. That was my money. Dating women, whatever the fuck you did. All right? And when I came out of prison, I immediately got a job selling cars. And I went back to making money. I sold Mitsubishis. And I went back to making between five and eight at this place. Okay, after taxes and the whole thing, it doesn't bang out to a lot of money, you know. Uh, Plus,
2: sorry to interrupt, but did your, when you started making more money, would you snort more? Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, okay. The more you fucking make, the more, in my, my raising was the more you fucking made, the more you spent on your nose, your friends, more eating, nah, we'll make more tomorrow. There was always tomorrow. There was always fucking tomorrow. There was always tomorrow. And every job and every move that I made had to be around money. Okay. I was a slave to money like 90% of Americans are.
2: Oh, it's huge for me. I, I'm, now okay, it's getting less, but it was huge for me. But
0: you also have to remember, when you're 21 and you're in that middle range, You attribute everything to not having money. Wait till I have money. Then I'll have a girlfriend. Wait till I have money. Then I'll be happy. Wait till I have money. Then I'll have my shit together. And that's what I want to discuss. How wrong that attitude is to have. Everybody thought that once, boom. You think because you get to win the fucking lottery, 52 million, that the next day, every day is sun. The next day is sunshine. The world, the universe... Karma just doesn't give it to you like that. you got to lose something along the way. you got to sacrifice something along the way. That's why it was so hard. You know, it was so hard for me to get on stage because the thought of not making money cringed me.
2: It's part of the reason why it took me so long to get to James. It
0: cringed me. The idea of starting something. Right now, if I went to one of you guys. I know my buddy Matt Holmeyer up in fucking Milwaukee. You know, he works with, I don't know what the fuck he does. I could see he works hard or whatever. If you're working, you know, you're learning a trade, whatever. When you come to me, right? Let's say I, I... Okay, let's say I do brick. Okay, let's say I do brickwork. I do residential brickwork and a little bit of uh, commercial, very lightly. Okay. Like just maybe two stories of 12 inch block. That's it. Maybe one row of scaffolding. Like I'm one of those guys, you know, like I, that's it. And I have my crew is me and two other masons and three laborers. Okay. And we work a full summer, and the one kid has to leave. I got one kid that's a duds. He just wants to shovel, make fucking cement, and make sure we're all happy all day. Making sure the cement is moist, making sure we have bricks, making sure we have mortar, mortar, mortar. Mortar, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, making sure their job is done. When you're a hottie, that's what you do, you... You have three bricklayers, and you have to be one step ahead of them.
2: And that's the the entry level. The
0: entry level. And you're you're putting in 16 scoops of sand into a cement mixer or eight, I don't know, the bag of, of whatever. And you're putting hose water in there, and then you dump it into the thing, and you mix it up really good. And then you put it into wheelbarrows, and you give it to them in buckets, or they have like a thing, a piece of wood you lay it on. Let's pretend you come to me. I, I, I'm watching you. Every day I'm watching you and you're talking to the last guy on the line. The boozer guy, that's a great. You're talking to him. And every once in a while I see that he has you measuring, putting a level on the wall, and he shows you something. Or every once in a while he goes, come here. And he makes you pick up the spatula and put it on. I'll pull you aside one day after work. And I go, listen, here's the deal. I can see you have a mild interest in this fucking game we're doing here. What am I paying you? Twelve fifty an hour? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you 15 I won't hire another guy. You're going to do both those jobs. But when your job is done, you're going to come next to me and lay brick.
2: So you're going to be a
0: hottie. <clears throat> you're going to be a hottie. And... You're going to learn how to lay brick. Got it. And you're going to join the union, and at night, you're going to go to a vocational school where they do it again. Like in the old days, I don't know about today, don't yell at me. In the old days, if you joined a laborers union and then you joined a bricklayers union, they had an apprenticeship program. You had to have a certain high school diploma. You had to have certain grades in high school, blah, 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 blah. When you start there, the union, and you're a union whatever, and you're in between, it's the same thing. You're assigned to three masons. Once the masons are taken care of, and all the paperwork's picked up, and all the fucking bricks for tomorrow are put in those situations over there, because tomorrow they're going to be moving over there. So that's probably 3.30 in the afternoon. So till the sun comes down, you're going to go over and lay brick with this guy. And every day, you're going to get more and more duties. And someday, Nunzio doesn't come in. And guess who's going to lay brick that day for Nunzio? You. And you're going to also make mortar. And you're also going to make the coffee run. And you're also going to go get me a newspaper. You know, we're gentlemen here. Nobody's saying You're not a slave. We're paying you. That's what you did. But I'm also charging $30 an hour for you. Oh, okay, <laughs> Okay. so anybody who knows labor, when I pay you $10 an hour, I got to pay that other thing $10 an hour. I forget what it is. Ultimately. Unemployment. Whatever. So yeah. you're not really worth $10 an hour to me. You're really worth $20 an hour to me. So that's when you're being looked at by an employer, after everything, workman's comp and everything, it's double that. Right. Okay, now... What I'm going to do is I'm going to bill you out as a hard carrier. So I'm going to bill you out at three days with three hard carriers when I do my estimation at $55 a day or 65 I don't know what they get. Don't fucking quote me on this shit. But you're still going to get your $15 for three years. I don't feel bad because you're getting an education. And even though you're still running around with other hotties, and they're telling you how they're walking with 27 an hour in the union. You're going to go, fuck, where's my money? And then one day, boom, there you are. You're a hot carrier. Now you're getting your 26, 28 and your fucking overtime and your benefits and all that stuff. That's if you're union. I'm saying if I'm just a mom and pop operation, it works the same way. But somewhere or another, you're going to give up stuff. Some days I'm going to go, leave. guess who's working Saturday? You are. <laughs> right and guess who's running the show? You, you. are. And okay. you're going to go on. Usually a guy that runs the show gets $35 now. Not today. <laughs> I'm the one that wiped your ass three years ago. So until that time, until you're really, really ready to do this whole wall by yourself. Can you do this whole ball by yourself? No, not yet. Okay, then, then shut your fucking trap All Right. And, and that's the same thing with comedy. Like, I started dicking around with comedy in, like, 89, December of 89. And I didn't get on stage until July or June of 91. That procrastination, I can lie to you guys. It was fear. But the other procrastination was, if I get into this, how am I going to feed myself, you know? I had that, that, that opportunity about the hot carrier. Right. I had it. That's why I know how it works. Well, I, I and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think
2: comedy is a little different in that you don't have, at least with the the hottie, you're making minimum wage, 10, whatever you're making. At least where I am, I'm almost two years in. If I get $50, it's huge. That's a party. If I Yeah. Like, That's a, you shouldn't even get a dollar
0: till you're in it for four years. Right, but that's not like, a dollar so you like so it's even less so than... it's like i was fortunate my first year in comedy i was picking up fifty dollars every tuesday wow i yeah. made 2400 a year my first year in comedy for two years i had a certain gig that paid me fifty dollars a week and you people are like joey 2400 <laughs> a year really yeah yeah and guess what I was fucking proud of every f- 24 of those hundred dollars. <laughs> I was proud of every one of those dollar bills. Every one of them. I would take them home on a fucking wind- Well, That money never made it home. <laughs> but I would look at those $50 in an envelope every Tuesday and go, I can't believe they're paying me. Because people at my level don't get a dime for five or four years. Right? Like my second gig, they basically gave me a $5 bill. That's crazy for gas and the dog. It was a fucking two-hour drive (laughs) What five dollars what five dollars five dollars don't cover got to you. Yeah, but that's what it was (coughs) So it was really weird when I got into comedy Before I even entered comedy I had to do something and for six months change how I was thinking I had to change my thought process completely. I had to change my thought process. If I'm not wrong, I remember writing it out that I'm not going to make any money for 10 years. Now, after writing it out, the reason why it didn't scare me that much was because I had confidence in what I was doing in the daytime on the streets, whether it was bringing back coffee machines. At that time, (laughs) I was fucking... uh, I was a tile. I, I laid tile with a guy. Basically, I corked tile. He would fucking lay the tile, and I would get in there with knee pads on and fucking fill it all in. I forget what it's called, and then fucking wash it down. And I would break my back for fucking, I think he paid me $75 a day cash. He was a cheap fuck. I broke my fucking ass for that. I also realized when I got into comedy, I couldn't be doing my drug activity and if I did do a drug activity I had to keep it to a minimum because if you're an open micer or you're in a feature act and for some reason you get arrested and it gets out it's going to be a rough fucking season for you for a couple of years that's a 3 year setback cuz you can't be trusted just it's just a blemish you you're starting out, and already you're ending up in fucking jail or getting in trouble. Right. I don't want want him in my club. Yeah, especially, yeah. I don't want him in my fucking club. I don't want him in my fucking club. He's already getting in trouble. He got in trouble for drugs. It's not worth it. He's not even a draw. Yeah, he's not even nothing. Why would I want him in my drug club? You know, the first time you do something on a triple run, they just can't see you. Tribble wouldn't even Tolerate that shit you know He would play with you a little bit he understood Alcoholism and comedy and all that stuff But they don't even Play with you so I knew right Then when I got into comedy That my criminal activity had a curve And here I am in the height I'm fucked guys I'm doing comedy for years And I'm feeling it I am feeling it for the first time In my life what am I feeling I'm feeling that Maybe just maybe I could start going on the road and playing clubs like that's the point of my career I was at I had already done 20 weeks of triple work but I was feeling so fucking good like I'm like you know what I'm ready for a club now whatever they throw at me MC feature I'm ready I'm ready I was calling clubs up trying to get MC work I remember borrowing money and a kid gave me fucking rented a car for me for me to drive to Arizona 16 hours and showcase in those days you had to drive and showcase and put yourself up and I got down there and, and somebody was from Jersey and somebody was from the Bronx and one thing led to another next thing you know I was sleeping on a couch Woo that saved me $40 or a nap in the car and 22 chiropractors you know they made breakfast that saved me money you know then the guy said why don't you stay again tonight and do some guest spots tonight and i stayed again the guy who you could stay at my place again you know again the universe always takes care of you but you have to make the first step towards that universe you know i was telling my uh there's a this is an embarrassing story this is just a story that i should tell you guys because this is something that happened there's a a One of my daughter's teachers, when Mercy was just in pre-K, whatever the fuck, my wife and her became tight. My wife and her and another teacher became tight. My wife is still in very good standing at that preschool. They go out at some nights. The mothers go out. They go to fucking that bar around the corner, and they talk or whatever. But uh, this particular teacher lives by herself, you know, she uh, is a hustler. I mean, she's a fucking nonstop. She walks dogs. She takes care of kids. She'll pick your kid up and drive him to school for the extra small 20. You know, it never ends with her. She's a hustler. And she likes my wife's cooking. So there's certain nights that if my wife cooks something, I'll say, hey, text her, tell her to come over. And we got the, the Dodger game on. She's a big-time fucking Dodger fan. And I got to tell you something, guys. When she comes over, I love it because it keeps my wife out of my ear. <laughs> it keeps my wife entertained, which my wife needs, because all day long she's talking to a child, or she's talking to mommy, 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 or she's talking to me, you know what I'm saying? So after a while, you need to talk to other fucking adults about whatever, I don't care what they talk about. When there's when she's there, this lady's usually in the kitchen standing with my wife, and me and my daughter watching TV until I get ready to go to the comedy store. There's some nights while I'm in the county store. My wife will call and say, hey, Miss Whatever's staying over tonight, so don't sweat the small stuff. She's leaving at six. I don't I go in my office at night, I smoke dope. It's like she's not even there. She probably spends two nights a week at the house.
2: Really? I didn't yeah,
0: know that. Two nights a week she comes over, eats. Uh some nights she comes over, eats, leaves, goes to a Dodger game, and then since her, she lives like up the the one oh one, she just crashes at the house takes a shower in the morning, brings clothes, and goes right to school over here. I don't even see her. By the time I get up, she's gone. The room is clean. She makes the bed very self-sufficient. The point of the story was, when I was fucking broke as shit, this is a weird story. When I was broke as fuck, I was living in Boulder. I was giving all my money. It went 50-50 those days. Half of it went to the attorney. And half it went up my fucking nose and the other half went to Chinese food. I was swimming at the Y. I was lifting weights in my apartment. I, I didn't have cable. I just had I I don't know if I, I think I stole cable from the landlord. I had the cable. I stole the wire to the TV and I connected it to my TV. I was a fucking mess. But there was a kid I worked with. I worked for a sports betting service. And my first job wasn't very good. You know, It wasn't that I was very good. It was that I was snorting so much coke that um, it had blocked. When you snort so much coke, it, it blocks the communication from your brain to your heart to your words. That's why if I did coke the night before, I had a big show, I always ate a bag of dick. I always felt like I was up on stage with no control. I was just saying the words. So it's weird. I was a good salesman. But I was in such bad shape psychologically. The divorce, you know, the kid, I wanted to do stand-up comedy. Here I am calling people, tormenting them for their credit cards and shit. You know, it just wasn't a fucking fun place for me. But I would go home at night and I would go to my little apartment and I would take a shower and go do comedy, you know. And some nights, even if I didn't have a spot, I'd still go to a spot because I'm looking for a spot. And somebody would go, hey, guess what? Uh, Timmy Jones has a room two miles from here. It's a shitty pizza place. But just by me showing up there, I got to do a spot somewhere else. And the guy gave me a pizza. And he gave me a pizza to go home. So fuck it. Turn, you know, that's what you do. But there were nights, man, when it uh, would just catch up to me. The whole week would catch up to me. And I was young and virile. And I was, you know, I slept three, four hours a night. And there was a guy over there, his name was Sammy. I used to call him Sammy Funky Cole Medina. Sammy was maybe my age at the time. We were both in our early 30s. Yeah, yeah. But Sammy had hooked up with a 50-year-old Chinese woman that was one of the most nicest people you ever met in your life. Her family owned a couple Chinese restaurants in Boston. Wow. This is how big time she was. They met in Connecticut. And they dated for a couple of years, and they moved out to Boulder to try to do whatever the fuck they were doing. I used to call her White Powder Ma, because she was Chinese. And I used to call him Sammy Funky Cole Medina. And when I was at my darkest, guys, I mean, when you're doing comedy, and you're not making uh, progress. I was making progress, but I wasn't. I wasn't up to the progress where I wanted to be, you know. Like I was making progress and I didn't know it. Just me going out every night and writing and dedicating myself to it and you know, missing out on parties and always doing comedy first. By ninety-four I had already made a certain discipline for myself that this is what it's gonna be. There's no weddings, there's no nothing. This is it. If you wanna do after I saw Lego's Amo, I was done. That's this is how it's done. There's no other way. If you wanna do comedy But there were nights, man, that there was really nothing going on. Like on the weekends, I could do a guest spot at McKelvey's or uh, fucking Wits End or the other club. In those days, the comedy works wouldn't give you guest spots, and I wasn't a regular. So my Sunday through Thursday, I was busy as fuck (coughs) comedy-wise. But Friday and Saturday, I would have a dick. And this fucking dude would call me up. I lived maybe 50 yards from his house. I would go up to his house i would go upstairs his wife would cook something for me chinese szechuan beef shredded pork uh twice cooked pork make it out of a house in a wok restaurant style she used to make egg rolls she used to make spare ribs and i would go over there eat like a lunatic and then they would ask me to stay and watch a movie with them and my choice every night was that stupid movie with bruce willis and damon wayans when he's a football player and uh, Bruce Willis is a detective and Eddie Griffin was in the movie. Eddie Griffin was the DJ in that movie and I must have watched that movie a hundred fucking times. I would watch it over and over and over. And this is how nice these people were.
2: The last Boy Scout? The
0: last Boy Scout. This is how nice these people were to me. If I was watching something on that TV... They would say, Joey, we're going to bed. The refrigerator is yours. If you need to call anybody, the phone is yours. Wow. The remote is yours. Stay here. I did that like maybe 20 times. And then they started telling me, Dog, just spend the night. When you wake up, she'll make you breakfast. You go home, you take a shower, and we'll drive to work together. And that's what started happening. And it was like I would stop and try to get groceries for them. They took it, but they didn't like it. They knew the situation I was in. They just took care of me. They just took care of me. If I had a show somewhere that was 30 miles or farther, they would drive me. Wow, I didn't know that. They would drive me and pick me up and take me back. And he wasn't a comic. He just worked. No, he was the farthest thing from a fucking comedian there was. But he just took care of me just out of the kindness of his heart. I'll never, ever, ever forget that. We stayed in touch for a couple of years, we stayed in touch for a while, and then uh, we lost contact, and then he got my email somewhere or another, and we connected while I was shooting The Longest Yard. Not after it came out, while I was shooting it. We connected, I told him, I sent him the pictures, you know, and uh, he was really happy for me and shit. Him and the Chinese chick broke up. She went back to Boston. The father died and left the $10 million. Oh, okay. So there was no use <laughs> of being with him anymore. <laughs> and he was doing, and we got along till about 2006. And then he made a bad call. He called me up asking me to hook him up with Adam Sandler and Joe Rogan. Oh. And I said I couldn't do that because uh, that's the reason why I'm friends with him because I never break that trust. And he took it the wrong way and never called me again and that's what happened. But the moral to that story was that now I get to do this for the school teacher. That's a young girl, that's great, she's great to me. She knows I get high, she giggles when I'm high. It's so weird how life repeats itself. It's so weird how, you know, I was having a rough, listen, there's a couple of reasons why I'm having a rough fucking week psychologically. you know for starters this november 8th is going to be my mother's 40th death anniversary and uh tuesday which will be the 8th tomorrow yeah dad was thinking about that was it that was her right now 40 years ago that was her last month and she didn't know she was gonna die you know and I'm trying, you didn't know and i and i didn't know and i'm trying to think if anything and then thursday night i was sitting there with mercy and i go my wife had like a pta thing right so i go terry if you want i'll drop you off at the school i'm gonna take mercy with frozen yogurt terry's like it's seven o'clock at night what's wrong with you i "I don't give a fuck she needs to go out of that dark anyway so i took her out (laughs) we went to this frozen yogurt place and we're sitting there guys and she asked me a question about her being a baby and her crib, and I go, "Why are you asking about this now?" And she goes, "Because I kind of remember." And I go, "Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right." I go, it "Was and also I go, you know, who gave me that crib, Mercy? Ralphie May gave me that fucking crib. Your uncle Ralphie, he's dead. He's in heaven now. He's with the angels. He, and all of a sudden, three kids and a man walked out of the fucking store." And all of a sudden, I saw the three kids stop and say something to the man, and the man turned around, opened the door, walked in, and it was Matt OG number one. No way. The guy that Ralphie and me used to buy the weed from, well, Ralphie and me, Ralphie used to buy <laughs> the weed from, the Matt OG number I've one. I've heard you talk about it. like best fucking I he weed, like, I, best is a beer weed I ever smoked. They came in. He gave me a hug, and he shook my hand, and we talked a little bit, and he goes, you know, I still think about you and Ralphie. He goes, I got into the vapor business, into the CBD business, but he goes, I still grow. Matt's number one. Oh, yeah. And he goes, uh, I'll give you a call next week, and we can meet here or something like that, and I'll give you a little bag I got left that I just grew. And as he walked out, he goes, it's weird. Ralphie's going to be gone two years And it was yesterday.
2: I was just gonna say it's so I couldn't believe it was two years.
0: Fucking two years. So this week was just the one when he told me all like just that was Ralphie sending me a message, like that was Ralphie. Just that that's the kind of those are the kinds of signs I get from spirits. They send me a message from time. (laughs) He sends you weed. He sends me fucking weed. The other night I'm fucking sitting here. I went to the Comedy Store. Did you notice I was here the other night? When you had a Heineken? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, oh, Not, no. I had the Heineken. Oh, Okay. I came by the other night after the Comedy Store. And I'm sitting in this fucking chair. The door's wide open. I came over here to roll a fucking bone or do something. I came over here just to get out. And I came over here and I sat right there. And all of a sudden, I said to myself, wouldn't it be funny if the fruit guy, because it was about <laughs> 1130. And sure enough, two minutes later, Bing a papaya, bring a papaya. And I go, fucking Ralphie lives. This is just last week. So, I didn't. I thought his death anniversary was the 17th. That's how confused I am. That's how fucking fucked up I am. But anyway, my heart goes out to the May family and uh, I said a little prayer for him yesterday, a little candle. I'll, I'll cut a chicken heads off one day this week. Jesus. When I get time. Gotta cut a chicken. Get some fucking blood into it. But Back to the money thing, it was so weird for me to say, okay, I'm gonna give this comedy shit a try. But I made myself a decision. I said, I'm not gonna quit, but before I get involved, I'm not gonna make money for 10 years.
2: So you already already knew that it was a 10 year process? I was,
0: I had already In 1993, when I went for it, because up to 93, I was driving a limo. I was doing everything I could and not putting enough effort into comedy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, the effort really wasn't there. I was showing up, but I was showing, you know, it's like I think of people that go to work every day from 9 to 5 and then go to a spin class at 7. I fucking applaud you. I fucking applaud you. I do four things in a day I can't make and every night I go I'm gonna go to kickboxing at six and it's 20 to six and I'm like doesn't look like I'll make kickboxing <laughs> I'll make kickboxing every day at 9 a.m at night I can't do shit just do fucking comedy so when I got into the comedy I swear to you guys in 1993 November 93 when I moved back or October of 93 when I moved back to Colorado I said, I'm dedicating my life to comedy. I've, I do coke, I'm with women, I'm fucking nuts, and you know what? I'm still not happy. So even if you threw a bunch of money at me, you know, I lost my daughter, I fucking lost my mother, I went to prison, you know, I had a, I had a point where I had nothing fucking going on. And I said, well, this is the best time to get into fucking comedy. Like we said the other day, nobody shows to an open mic in a Lamborghini. You know, and when I got into comedy, I never let that get in my way. I, I could be honest with you all the way. I told you guys a story about that lady that I used to do free sets. And people used to tell me. Why do you do free sets? She should at least give you 20 bucks. I don't want her fucking money. And I'm going to show her that I'm better than she is. And in the end, she's dead and I'm still here rocking and rolling. <laughs> so what are you fucking trying to tell me here? The gift of any art, the gift of your life, guys, the biggest thing you could overcome right now I know you got a lot on your plate. I know you're going Joey. You're coming from a weird place. No, I'm not coming from a weird place. I slept in plenty of corners. I slept on plenty of park benches. I slept on fucking couches. I slept on floors. Don't tell me I didn't fucking do this shit. Yes. Let's be honest. Let's put it on the table. It was my fault partially because of my ghost and my little things. But I did sacrifice a fucking lot. And I'm telling you one thing. I didn't think of money until i hit the taco bell commercial
2: what year was that
0: 98
2: oh so it didn't take 10 years but that wasn't comedy i guess so it wasn't comedy right
0: no it wasn't comedy
2: so and i know you had the coke issue and you had your daughter so there were some things that you didn't have a perfect life but in those five years were you happier Like, were you fuck?
0: Let me tell you something. Here I am, and just a lot of you guys are young. You don't know before Nissan, it was Datsun, bitch. In nineteen ninety six, let me tell you what. Ninety five, I had a Datsun B two ten. I think it was a four speed, a five speed with a clutch. Had four doors. I was doing comedy seven nights a week. I lived for today. I had zero responsibility. Zero responsibility. You know what my responsibility was? Getting work the next week. And I already had 20 feelers out. One of them was going to come through. Even if it was a Friday or Saturday. You know, I still remember going up to do something for Triple and like the Dakotas and being all the way up there looking at the map. There was no fucking thing. <laughs> looking at the map and saying, fuck, I gotta go through like four states to go home. That's when I learned about doing comedy on the way back. And I called this couple and they was Dean and Dana McGraw. I heard about them and they had a company called Something Entertainment. And one of the few times I, you know, you know, I, like right now, the biggest complaint is I can't make a good tape. Well, good luck. You're never gonna make a good tape if you know you're getting taped. You right. Know? Yeah. So, one night I went somewhere. And when I got off, some guy said, "Hey, man, I had my camera rolling. Do you want the footage?" And it was like one of those nights I did like 20 minutes, and 14 of it were good. It was a bar, and you could hear it, and you could see it, and I sent it to them. And they called me back. They sent me a letter saying, you could co-headline. And I'm like, oh, boy, these people really don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I got, like, fucking 20 minutes, and they're co-headlining me. And I didn't have 20 minutes. This is a lie. I didn't have 20 minutes. 20 minutes was a stretch, because I was at a bar show. Right, yeah. This was, like, six minutes that I looked out on. And I sent them the tape. And I'll never forget just saying, let me give them a shot. And giving them a call. And I'm going, we got a gig, but it's Wednesday and Thursday. And they're like, where are you? And I told her what Dakota, whatever the fuck Dakota I was. And In those days, Triple would pick you, he would pay you 50 bucks. You would pick up 50 bucks, Gene. He would send you a balance of a check for 50 in the mail, which you would get three weeks after you got And home. you were featuring? You were featuring. Okay, wow. <laughs> 50 bucks. So, whatever. i us say I did four nights for him. I had 200 minus the gas and the Subway sandwiches. I was eating the veggie and cheeses. And I'll never forget saying I'm in whatever, and she goes, "Well, we have a condo and such and such. If you could make it to there, you could stay there for free until Wednesday night, and then they'll put you up in a hotel." Whoa. But it was so hard to understand to to go from loving money to loving something else, where the money doesn't matter. There's a part in your life where a lot of you people are listening to this show going, Joey, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yes, you do. One day, you're going to come to the point in your life where you're going to go, I don't know what all this fuss was about. I feel the same whether I get a bonus or whether I don't get a bonus. I feel the same whether, you know, I'm broke. Or, you know, when I grew up, I grew up with an air conditioner in my room, carpeting, I had cable TV in my room, every type of fucking soda, You know, I went to basketball camps. My motherfucking threw me money, plus I hustled. And I went from having all that to living, uh, sharing a bedroom with a guy on a piece of floor. We just threw beds on it. We were six inches apart. The TV was stolen, and we put album covers up around the room so you would think we had art in the fucking room. So I know what it is to be living like a doctor to be living like a fucking mook and a half. Hearing mice... In the room next door while you're sleeping you know i've been there i've been throughout the fucking whole thing but trust me in 1996 and 97 and 98 yeah i had a pain in my heart deep about my daughter and yes i was missing meals and yes i was barely making it but i was as happy As could be, because I was doing what I wanted to do. Well,
2: that was my question. Do you think, and obviously people, if they have kids, they have to make a certain amount of money, but do you think if you're really worried about the money, you might not love what you're doing?
0: Because, like, for me, like... No, no, no. No, I had two spots at the store last night. I could not wait all day to go down there. That, that's my point. And then for $15. Yeah. There's no money there at all. That 15 after taxes. You, you remember, I tip out more than I make when I go down there. No, that's what I'm saying. So think about that. When I go to the comedy store, you lose money. Yeah. I tip out more than what I get. I've if I get a about water that multiple times. and valet, I tip out more than what I get. Just with the valet usually. Yeah. Just with the valet, I tip out and then the guy, a water. They're young comics, they're all hustling. They're all trying to make a living. How can I not support them? So uh, that's why you give back when you get older as an older comic. That's how you give back, by helping out the younger fucking comics. You know, there's nights I go to fucking park my car and as I walk out, Xing Fao, the Chinese kid and some other white guy, I'm walking out with a fucking thing full of garbage. That was not included in there. I want to be a comedy resume dream. But they're at the store, they're amongst great comics. they're in the fucking energy, they're, they're involved. People are talking to them, you know. When I see them dump it, you know, I, I I feel in my heart. But I hey, that was fucking me 20 or 30 years ago. At wit's end, I had to take garbage out, and the worst is when you go throw the thing out and bottle hits the floor. And that old beer hits your jeans. Yeah. Now you got to drive home sticking like an old beer with a Marlboro in it. Or the bag and breaks. shit like that. I, I, when I go down to the comedy store, I lose money when I walk in the comedy store. And I lose it on purpose because you have to give back. You have to give back. At some point, all these things, Sammy, the fucking Chicken Nebraska, all these things that people give you, you have to give back the knowledge that they're getting from you isn't the 20 dollars. the knowledge they're getting from you is how you should hold yourself up as an older comic as an older man you know i'm trying to make up for all the fucking mistakes i made as a young kid so i'm trying to be the best i can on a daily but i didn't you know when i got the taco bell commercially that money yes put coke in my nose but that money went to a big chunk of child support. That money went to a big chunk of an attorney that I owed money to. And a big chunk of that went to the stripper I live with for rent and God knows what else. Because she was charging me back rent. Oh, you owe me 300 from in <laughs> July in Seattle. I'm taking that. Yeah, she was as cheap as fuck. Jesus. So that's why I had to rob her half the time. I'd give her <laughs> three and then take one out of her purse just to make it even somewhere. It's got to be an even playing ground. It's not all about you. but. <laughs> Uh, then I didn't do nothing, Lee. Then I was worth living on the road at fucking 100 cents a night. After the Taco Bell commercial went down, I disappeared and went on the road. The the CBS pilot commercial, that money I got, half of that went to the attorneys. Half of that went to the stripper. That's how we got our apartment on Hollywood Boulevard. And the other half went just to have money in my pocket. I had, I didn't know what it felt, felt like to have more than $400 in my pocket at one time. Since 1991... To 1998, I didn't know what it was like to have $400 bills that belonged to you. Because I would basically go cash, even when I worked at the sports betting place, I would cash a check and have to make eight money orders of people I owed money to. Wow. Eight or nine money orders. If I made $3,000, I knew 25 of that was going out. I pay my debts. I got to pay them. What do you want me to do? I got to fucking pay them. You know, don't get me wrong. I told the credit card companies and people to suck my dick. <laughs> Them, they the make people who matter, money. yeah. Yeah, the people who mattered, the people who mattered, I had to pay back. I borrowed money from a dear friend of mine. I had to make a fucking payment loan with him after I made bail, you know. There was a thousand people I had to make right with. And you eventually paid the credit card back? No, I didn't.
2: Oh, no, I thought that was that, that after loan for. seven was years. Four?
0: No. No, those were to pay my wife's credit card loan back. Oh, uh, okay. I'm talking about my debt from 92 Got and it. 93. It. it takes seven years for it to disappear off your... Oh, it just goes away? Yes. Oh, I don't know. I, <laughs> oh, But oh, it's wow. six years, of them. hey, hi, Lee, how are you? <laughs> Joe from Discover Card. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. You go to pick up a phone to call your mom, a pay phone, and before you could pick it up, it would ring, and it'd be Joe from Discover. How are you? I <laughs> see <laughs> that you're... Because you're, they used to... You know, there was no website in those days. But when somebody posted, I was going to be somewhere, like a flyer. I don't know. From from 92 to 97 in Seattle, until I got the 1-800 line, I got calls everywhere. That's they would crazy. call the comedy underground. Bill Collectors, three years later. Because what the big companies do is sell it to a smaller co- company, for a percentage of it, for 25 cents on a dollar, and they try to recoup that money. So it's constantly, and it's just a write-off. So somebody told I was ready to go file for bankruptcy. And somebody said, don't file bankruptcy. Just go underneath. Go underneath. And don't answer the calls. And eventually, little things dropped off, little things dropped off, little things. That was very devastating for me. I don't like owing money. I had put myself in such a credit card debt. I had put myself in such a credit card debt, and it wasn't for me. It was to spite my ex wife. Years later, I realized that it was to spite my ex wife. So she would get burdened with the debt. I'm mad enough to admit it, you know. And then they threw it out of court, and I got stuck with the fucking debt. So at the end, it backfired into my fucking thing, you know. So you pay for what you reap, what you sow. But that was a big thing that people really don't understand. If you don't love what you're doing, I say this to people all the time, if you can't do it for free, you know when people say to you, hey, what are you doing on Sunday, Lee? And you're like, nothing, I'll be home. You wanna help me move? There's pizza involved. And you're like, I think I got a podcast that
1: day. <laughs> I got like 18 fucking
0: podcasts that day. Woo, you know? thank goodness. Yeah. if if, if we don't love something. We don't tend to do Yeah, we want to help out our friend. We'll go over there and pick him up. You know, like that day with the table. we called John Salami. We have some friends that helped us, you know. But I'm talking about once you do something just for the money, it wears on you. So
2: just before quickly before you go ahead, was there any point in this 10 years, whatever, however many years it took you to start making money, that you were like, you know what? I hate these calls. Let me go make some money and forget comedy.
0: I was so deep in the hole. Again, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, we go through it every 3 or 4 months. When do you know? When do you know? When do you know? When I put my debt down on that news on that piece of paper. And I added up, I forget what the number was. I really do, genuinely do. But it wasn't a good number.
2: Like 100 grand, something like that? It It was double that. Wow. Okay,
0: so here's the deal, people. If I owe you 200,000, you come to me and you go, Joey, I need that 200 Gs. I could give you 25 grand a year or every six months, whatever the terms we come to. But once you're running the clock on me, you're never going to get ahead. Oh, yeah, That's what the credit cards exactly want to do. It's like 20% interest. It's, it's 20%, and the clock is always running. So if your minimum payment is $20, and you're making a $50 payment, you're in no danger. You're in no danger. For a long time, I was making these minimum payments, and I would look to see at what I owed, and I realized that no matter how I came to terms with it, you know, I went to a consolidation company. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it was back then in 19. Before I left for New York in 93, January 93 or 92, one of those years, I went to see one of those debt consolidation companies. And whatever he said to me, it was not going to work. Like, it was like... He could have narrowed it all down to like $1,200 a month for 14 years. And that was without me living, me paying child support, me paying the attorneys. That was just a credit card bill. Wow. He would have broke it down into two loans for me. Even though I didn't, since I didn't have credit, it would have put me into a high risk. So my interest rate would have been higher. And Lee, it was just a trap that I would have had a bankrupt anyway. There was no way. There was no way I could pay the credit cards, child support, the attorneys, and live a life. There was no way. I was not living a grandioso life. And I was trying to, if I could sell an eight ball to cut back on me spending a 50, I would do that. I always sold drugs or something just to cut back on that. But at that point, I looked at that number, and I knew that was attain- that was unattainable. I knew I had to throw my hands up and as bad and as fucking shitty as I felt for putting somebody in those conditions. You know, you lie to yourself and you tell yourself things to make you feel better. Ah, they making up an interest? They rob other people. The fact is remains the same. I did all them the money and that was it, I, I, bro. I had every card imaginable, you know, but there were people on that debt list that I could've told them to go fuck themselves. But I didn't, because I knew them. I knew the time that they had given me the money, that they were going through a hard time and they believed in me. So those people, I called up like a man, and I said, listen, I know I owe you two grand, but all I could send you is 50 a month. You know what, Lee, you're gonna get pissed at me for about a month or two, and then you're gonna go, you know what, I gotta give the kids some character. At least he's
2: doing it. At least he's trying
0: it. At least he's and every month he gives me fifty bucks on the first and he comes to my house and he brings my daughter a toy and he talks to my wife. And you really can't be mad at those people. And that's what I did. I did that with a ton of people. I have a friend in Mississippi I owed thousands to. There's one guy still I owe money to. And I've asked twenty people because he gave me money. Again, another guy that went into a bank account that didn't have money and he gave me money to help my dream. That Dotson B210 I talked about, right? he bought it. Whoa. He bought it, $800, put the insurance on it, put new tires on, it, and got it road ready for me. Those are the people I've had touch me in my life. Those, wild. this is why I'm saying to you that whatever journey you take, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be really fucking hard. When I write ri- hard on my pad, I write it with three fucking exclamation points, four. It's going to be very hard, but you're going to, every once in a while, you catch a break. Whether you're a carpenter, you know, you're a carpenter and you start your own business. And for the first six jobs, you're break even. And your wife is breaking your balls. And then one day you figure something out on time or energy or money. And now you're, you're in the profit now. You know, it, 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 there's a fucking curve. It's a big curve to figuring out what you want to do. That's a big. That's a big curve. That's a big curve for anybody. I knock on, I knock on wood every day and get on my knees and I'm thankful and grateful that at the age of thirty, you know, at the age of twenty eight, I had the knowledge to get on stage or the the what, what do the Jews call it hutzpah? Yeah, I had the chutzpah to get on stage, but then at the age of thirty one, I committed to it you think about it at 31 to tell yourself you're going to be broke for 10 years that's where I am right now you tell yourself that you look yourself in the mirror and go you know what I'm going to start playing the organ with a monkey but I'm not going to make money for 5 years and he, but if I do make money you ever go to a service department and drop your car off and they tell you your car's not going to be ready till 5 mm-hmm. and then you get a call at 11 o'clock and they tell you your car's ready and you're like god damn it I went and rented a car. I'm on the other side of town. They tell you the worst prognosis. So if they do beat it, they look like heroes. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you come to me today and go, I got a lump on my head. What do I got left? I can't tell. I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not God. Let's put six months on your head. For six months, you'll be eating pussy, stabbing people, (laughs) telling discover to suck your dick. All of a sudden, here you are a year later, you're still alive.
2: Yeah, but, and I think also, so like, yeah, like maybe 10 years, you're not gonna make money. Year five, you're making a little bit of money. Now, instead of working for free, you're making $50 a set. By year six,
0: I was making six to 8,000 a year by my calculations. That's it, And wow. one year, I did taxes. <laughs> In 97, I actually did taxes. Like, I filled out the paperwork. I I got all the W-2s, right. and I think I made $8,000 for the year. And, and wow. Now, but you're also talking about $4,000 in 50s and 25s and $35 from doing bar shows.
2: So at most so don't get me
0: wrong. Yeah. I was making a 1000 a month, paying 400 rent. I had no car payment. I had child support with 365 clothes and food. If I got a score, and I already had, you know, like I said, I always knew I would make a thousand to twelve hundred a month. God forbid somebody called me out of the blue and said I got a gig for you, Friday and Saturday, you're opening for me for a hundred a night. Oh, that means I went to Mexican dinner. Right. I jumped up and down. And it's interesting
2: you're talking about it because I had an issue, not an issue. I went down to San Diego four weeks in a row, and. I had people offer me places to stay. Like you're saying, people are very generous. It makes me uncomfortable to stay at people's places. I've never liked that. And I I know you talked about, because your mom passed away, you you did see the highs and the lows. Did it take you a while to get used to sleeping on floors, to sleeping on people's couches?
0: Before you make the next step into your journey, Lee, you got to reprogram your
2: mind. I know, it's hard.
0: And get ready to eat shit and to do what you need to do. If not, quit this. Get out of this. Because it's not going to be an easy journey for you. Right. It's not an easy journey for anybody. Somebody offers you a space to... You're trying to get into a community. Yeah. You're trying to get into a community. You're trying to find, especially a, a comic at your level, whether you're a plumber, that's... You know, when you're an apprentice union plumber, Right. Let's say you're working on a a big fucking job and there's 15 fucking apprentices. Where do you go after work? A bar. A bar. And you become bonds with other guys and you talk to other guys. And these guys aren't the plumbers. These guys are the same guys that are doing your job. They know what it is to get rained on. They know what it is for pipes to hit them. They know what it is to unload a truck. They know how it is to do all this shit. Those are the people you got to be around. Not the plumbers. The plumbers ain't going to help you. right. The plumbers ain't, they're just gonna call you a dummy. Like, what are you doing? Get the fuck out of here. Go go help him. It's the same thing with comedy. It's the same thing in any journey. They're opening your house to you, so you become a part of something. So in the morning, you wake up at 12 and you go eat Mexican food. Then you go see the Joker. And they introduce you to two other comics that both have other rooms in El Centro. Or one on the border of Mexico. Or one on the border of fucking Yuma. You know, this is what this is called. It's called opening up doors. You're opening up doors. You cannot feel weird when somebody offers you a place to live because I tell you what, the next five years, you're not going to make any money. Right. I drove back and forth. Yeah. You're not going to make any money. Yeah. You lost 30 on the weekend for gas. Yeah. You're not going to make any money. So when you start working helium, they don't put you in a hotel room. Right. So Pat House, a local comic, you're going to stay at his fucking, on his fucking floor and watch TV. And guess what? When Pat House comes out here to stay for a couple of days, he has to stay at your couch, and those are the relationships. I don't care what you like. Like I told you the other night, the other night I had my red sweatshirt on. I did not want to go to the store, but it doesn't matter what I like or what I need or what I want. It doesn't matter. It's what needs to be done. What I want, what I want is to sit here <laughs> and have somebody suck my dick while somebody cuts my fungi toenail while somebody fucking feeds me reefer and somebody brings me shrimp bag full young. That's what I want. That's the ideal, right? Yeah. But that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. So I got to do what needs to be done. What you like when you become a comic or when you commit to any career, what you like or what you're used to, it's not going to work. It's not going to work you have to change for it that's part of the process that's part of the love that you have for this but for you to go to san diego and drive back and forth for zero dollar i gotta ask you to go outside and bang your head on the wall three times (laughs) and come back in i understand doing it one night or you could have spent the day down there gone on the beach take your shirt off go to a coffee shop write jokes that's all your job is right now is to write jokes that's the only job you got Come here twice a day, twice a week, and write jokes. Okay? It doesn't matter where you write it. Take that computer and have that pen and pencil with you. Get a chicken with a feather in case you got to draw blood from it to write, and that's all you need to do. There's no worry, and and, and that's what I understood. See, at that age, I was raised in Jersey, and I was raised by different dynamics. I was raised when people pulled you aside and said, this is how it's done. And this is how it's going to be done from now on? This is how it's going to be done from now on. Why? Because I'm a fucking idiot, and this guy knows more than me. Because i got to assume I'm a fucking moron. Because if I wasn't, I'd be doing what he's doing, and I'm not. So obviously, that's how I was raised. When people come over to you, the fun and games is over. This is what needs to be done. The first time you don't do it, you're getting smacked in the mouth. You'll do it. You'll do it quickly. You'll adjust. If he tells you to be that nine, you'll be there at 10 to 9 with a fucking flag marching. That's how life is. It's not what you want to do. It's what needs to be done. I didn't want to fucking get into comedy and starve for 10 years, but it's what it needed to be done. You know, people still, when we when we say it now, it's well known. You get $15 for your spots at the comedy store. Half the people at home listening to this right now are going, why do you go down there? Half of the people who have a mind right now that are listening to this podcast, half of you is that have a fucking head on your shoulders, that had good loving growing up and petted your dog and <laughs> your parents took you on vacations, you're like, Joey, you're 56 years old and you're doing spots for $15? Shame on you. It's not about the $15. I wish it was. Like I always tell my agents when they call me and they try to greed me and whore me out, I tell them right out. If I wanted to make money, I would have gone into the coke business and succeeded. But I didn't. I was a failure. So I got into this. So this is my fucking future. When you love something, nothing could stop you. Can you imagine? Your wife, your girlfriend, you haven't seen her for a month. She calls you up one night at 2 in the morning and tells you her pussy's on fire. And it's an hour drive. How many of us would make the drive? Come on, let's all not raise our hands at once. Because we've all done it. Ladies, we've all been there. How come it's easy to get in the car and drive 40 minutes to get a piece of ass? But not to the thing that you love the most. We all love pussy and we all love cock. Right, ladies? (laughs) Right, some guy calls you at 1 o'clock, come over, he's good looking. You fucking fly over there. You don't fly that fucking fast when it's your job. Right. You don't fly that fucking fast when, you know. Think about these things. These are the things they got to think about. Money is not the answer to your happiness. Money is not the answer to your life. Trust me on something. The money will come. Fall in love with something first.
2: Did you hear what I was, I was said?
0: Really, really fall in love with something, with, with something first. We had a guy in here. That when you look at his celebrity net worth, he was down a hundred million dollars. He went to prison and he's here to educate you and tell you that greed is not good. Passion is good. You know what inspires me? When I go on Twitter and I see Jennica Jones at a fair on a fucking Sunday. You think Jennica Jones wants to be on a fucking fair on a fucking Sunday? No. But she loves people buying her art and she loves people coming up to her and saying that's a nice piece even if they don't buy the human interaction you have to love all this you have to love it and then after you fall completely in love with it then you'll figure out the plan how the money will come in that's the plan that's the plan Money is fucking no good to think about. Passion. I want you to love something. I want you to go, Joey Jesus, I can't wait to go to the beach to make a fucking ice castle. But there's no money in it, man, right? Your mother, your grandmother, your father. There's no money in ice castles. <laughs> what if one day you become the best ice castle in the world, and every time Jay-Z throws a party, you shave the ice room for, for $22 million. What if, I don't know that, I don't know the future. Fall in love with something first, and then the geethers will come later. When, I don't know. I don't know. But if you deeply love it, if you deeply love something, fucking helping people. You know, I got a friend right now I talk to a lot. She just got a job in a rehab. I think she's fucking retarded. Okay, you, you know me though. I'm like, you're gonna sit there and listen to lies from people for no money. She was a junkie and now her passion, she stayed clean for 15 years and now her passion is to lead others. She's making 400 a week and she has to work 60 hours a week. She just got herself an apartment in Van Nuys. She drives all the way downtown every day. She gets there an hour early to, you know. When I talk to those people, they fucking inspire the fuck out of me. It makes me remember why I love this. You know, Vinny at uh, at, at at subconscious. You sit down with Vinny, you talk to Vinny about jujitsu, and you ask him what he really wants to do, and he'll look you in the face and go, "I love everything about." It. And you can tell when he's teaching jujitsu, he loves everything about it. You know how much money there is in making teaching jujitsu? As much as fucking sucking cock backwards. Okay, there's that much money in teaching jujitsu. But let me tell you something. If you really love it, you'll become a fucking millionaire, i.e., John Jack Machado, i.e., Egan Machado, i.e., Cabrinha, i.e., fucking, uh, Alberto Crane. These guys love what the fuck they do. Go look at their schools. Eddie Bravo. Eddie Bravo. i.e., Eddie Bravo. i.e., Eddie Bravo. Go ahead. Sit with Eddie. And take away the fucking cosmonauts and the dead presidents and see what shit, the beating he throws on you about leg locks. And the motherfucker knows what he's talking about. And he doesn't miss a call. You know, that motherfucker every night calls me at 10 after 8. And he's headed downtown to fucking teach, Monday through fucking Thursday. When I knew Eddie, Eddie was living in a shack on fucking Santa Monica next to another fucking animal. They had a shack down there. Shack. There was rabies on the wall. You think Eddie gave a fuck? Yeah, he, he started with a little gym called the, whatever the fuck it was. Bomb Squad. Bomb Squad over on Santa Monica. I would go over there, across the street from the Whole Foods, whatever it is now. Now it's something completely different. That, sand, that that supermarket, that's what I saw from The Godfather, who said, let them lose their souls. They're all animals anyway. The guy that said <laughs> that line, The Godfather, I seen him at that supermarket. Eddie started at Bomb Squad. Do you think he was making a million dollars at Bomb Squad a year? No. Eddie busted his balls ever since he he, he took something. He took a, a win over a, a champion and turned it into something that now it's international.
2: Doesn't he have like 100 schools or close 100 100?
0: schools? Something he was in love with. That for years he starved. He lived in the back of a fucking shed. Look at him now. So you think I'm fucking lying to you? The proof is in the pudding. Don't forget. This Thursday, this Friday night, I will be at the Uptown Theater in Kansas City, Missouri, ready to fucking rock. And Saturday, we added a the show at the Paramount Theater, 9.30. You're out by fucking 11 o'clock. You can still smoke dope till 6 in the morning or whatever the fuck it is you like to do or whatnot. You understand me? You know how we do it. I'm looking forward to Kansas City. Last time I went down there to do comedy, I was at the uh, Funny Bone. I think it's a Funny Bone. No, no, no. I think it's, a, it's an improv, and I had a great time. I think I'm going to go see uh, whatever's kickboxing school on Friday. I think I'm getting in early enough, hopefully, that I can go to kickboxing class. So I'm, ex- I'm looking forward to some barbecue. I, know, I already know where I'm going. I already got the hotel. I'm ready to fucking go. But before you go anywhere, this podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. The Church of What's Happened Now is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Let me ask you something. You're asking me, Joey, why do I go to MyBookie? It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. They revamped their fucking website. It looks fucking phenomenal. You could do prop bets, side bets, whatever bet. Listen, they got, they got a contest they were running. Five teams, you beat the spread, you rack up points, 100 to sign up, 100 at the end of the season i'm sure they're gonna do something with with college football and the nba my bookie is the way to go but if you're trying to bet nfl baseball mma whatever my bookie's got it do the smart thing if you're gonna bet football bet with them if you're the kind of guy likes to bet a little and win a lot try a parlay if all your picks come through you multiply your winnings and no matter how you bet the NFL season is the best time of the year. Why? We're two weeks away from pro basketball. We're two weeks away from fucking hockey. I think hockey started already. What am I saying? You know, with college basketball's down the corner. The holidays are coming. We all need fucking Gita's. Do me a favor go to mybookie.ag right now. Double your deposit today. Right now, this Monday, use promo code CHURCH. Get 100% bonus on your initial deposit. Are you fucking kidding me or what? That means you lay down a nickel, they put a nickel on top of that. Where are you going to get that type of action from? Nobody. Uncle Joey's bringing it to you. So go to mybookie.ag. That's my bookie. Grab a fucking pen. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use promo code CHURCH. C-H-U-R-C-H, when creating your account to claim the bonus. Listen, with mybookie.ag, you play, you win, you get motherfucking paid. And don't forget to check Matt Flavors World, my Instagram, on Thursday. I'll be dropping a video with you motherfuckers. Uncle Joey's my bookie picks. Last time I had to lose, I'm not going to lie to you people. (laughs) Just go to mybookie.ag right now and get the party started. Also... A little, I want to talk to you about Dylan Moskowitz is a real ZipRecruiter customer who used ZipRecruiter to hire for his company, Cafe Altura. The following is a testimonial script based on the employer's story. You know, Cafe Altura's CEO, Dylan Moskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding a qualified candidate. What did he do? He went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get the qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and he said he was impressed how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used the ZipRecruiter candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And how's Dylan found his new director of coffee? Yes, he did in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And you can take that to the bank. Now, do me a favor. Go see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes, whether you got 10 employees or 200 employees. You can try ZipRecruiter for free. Joey, what the hell? It's Monday. Free! Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash church. C-H-U-R-C-H. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash church, C-H-U-R-C-H, and get the smartest way to hire. That's what ZipRecruiter has to offer. It's the smartest way to hire. They're going to save you time and energy, and you're going to get the best candidate available to you. I want to thank ZipRecruiter. I want to thank my bookie, but most importantly, I want to thank you motherfucking savages for always having my back. Remember what I talked about today? Fall in love with something first. In time you'll figure out how to make money with it. I don't care if it's shining shoes. I don't care if it's fucking putting yellow paint on people's assholes. If you have passion, eventually your dream will come true. I love you motherfuckers with all my heart. See you Friday in Kansas City at the Uptown or Saturday night at the 9.30 show at the Paramount Theater in Denver. A little Tony Bennett for you cocksuckers. Kick this mule, Lee.
1: Up the pieces When somebody Breaks your heart Some Somebody twice As smart As I A somebody Who Will swear To be true as you used to do with me Who'll leave you to learn That misery loves company Wait and see I mean I wanna be around To see how he does it When he breaks your heart To bits Let's see If a puzzle Fits So fine And that's when I'll Discover that Revenge is sweet As I From a front row seat When somebody breaks your heart like you